We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. With your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 492. Today, we're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. It's been like a week ish since the Yankees exited the playoffs. We took a few days off. I don't know if you've been watching baseball, Scott. I certainly haven't. How you feeling? I have not been watching much baseball. I'm going to be very honest. I watched uh, I watched highlights. I, I've been checking the scores to see you know what's going on, making sure that the Astros are not going to advance. That's been the really. I'm just mm. looking. Did, did the Astros lose? Did the Astros lose? Did the Astros lose? That's that's all. I've gone 180 on that. That's all I've been. Uh, that's all I've been looking. I kind of want them to beat the Rays now. <laughs> I know they're not going to, but man, Braves versus Rays is a boring ass World Series. I mean, are you gonna? Would you watch it if it was Dodgers Astros? Yes, I would. Okay, because that is a great storyline. That is that like that, that's the whole off season was leading up to to uh, Astros versus either the Yankees or the Dodgers. The Yankees didn't have the balls to get there to face them. Maybe the Dodgers will. I, I really think baseball needs some storylines because otherwise it's so boring and vanilla. And the Yankees are out. The Cubs are out. The, the the who else? You know the other good teams. The the Red Sox sucked this year. Like all the all the big market teams with some juice are out. The Astros are there as like the WWF villains, and they're actually playing into it now. I think they kind of are playing into it. They're using it as fuel. They're probably still going to lose against the Rays. I just think Dodgers Astros would would be an interesting storyline. You can't really lose with the result of that. The Dodgers finally you know, got revenge for their 17 loss or, 
or the Astros win in spite of everybody in this bullshit season. I think that would be great for baseball, but it's going to be Rays versus Braves probably, and no one's going to watch. Well, I mean, the Dodgers are only down a game right now. It's two to one. That's true, so. and they just scored like a billion runs. Yeah, they scored the 11 runs yesterday. in the first inning against the, uh, yeah, the Braves. I, so, it's. I, I mean, I could yeah, see. Yeah, you're right. It could be Dodgers-Rays. If we're looking but, at baseball-wise, like the Dodgers-Rays is definitely the best series. I think Braves-Rays although not sexy, is interesting just because there's a lot of unknowns there. So I think a lot of people could could watch that series and like and find some some players that they haven't watched before and be pleasantly surprised. I just don't know if they're going to actually get to that point and turn turn the channel to uh, to uh, TBS or, you know, wherever it's being uh, broadcasted on that given day because they see right, right. because they no, see no, no, Braves raise. Right. And like from a baseball perspective, maybe, but I I don't really care about from a baseball perspective at this point, like, oh, the quality of the baseball being played. Uh, I I just think from a national perspective, the storyline of Dodgers Astros would be fun Um, and and would get some national attention because the Astros story got a lot of national attention in the offseason. Yeah, I just don't want the the Astros to get any national attention that has any kind of positive tone to it at all. So the how fact, would that be positive? Because they advanced through no. the American League now yeah, after cares? the cheating thing. So I, I do want them to lose. I want them to lose very badly. They need to lose, in fact. I does think the, this, but like does the Rays beating them satisfy anything? It, yes, it, it does. It satisfies the fact that they did not make the World Series. That's mm-hmm. and that's what I need. I just I only need that. That's really not much. The the fact is is if they they now if they make the World Series, they can say, okay, well. Clearly, we didn't cheat this year and made the World Series, so it doesn't matter. It's it's just another opportunity for them to throw but some dirt. They made dirt the on. ALCS, isn't it? Didn't they kind of prove their point? Nah. They made it to a final four. They're a final four team. It's different uh, for the fourth straight year. They beat Oakland. Billy Bean was still there at that point. <laughs> they beat Oakland, but Oakland won their division. So but so my, they beat the nobody team knows that, who that won, won the their division. own division. Nobody the remembers. Couldn't beat their one, the team that won their division. No, nobody will remember who won that division ever. They will only see that the Astros beat the Oakland Athletics, and the Oakland Athletics are not a team that like will get you no, beyond that. They, they went through. They went through the Twins and the Athletics, right. two notorious postseason losers. There you but go. I, I, but I still think that they they went farther than people would. Have. They were a below five hundred team this year. They were they were a better team than their record showed. Load, I just load think. management. So they were a in a similar of, position. Yeah, a lot of mental things got in the way of their performance this year, and also, like half fifty three percent of the league made the playoffs. So I think they probably just coasted in, like sort of the Yankees did. But uh, I, I think they kind of proved their point by being a Final Four team. I don't Yankees think are in a Final Four team. I don't think that anybody on the on the baseball side of things who who actually has watched this game thought that the Astros players themselves, especially the offense, like, and those guys were bad baseball players. I think that the majority of people who who watch the game and know the game understand that, that George Springer take, take that, uh, the, the whole cheating scandal out of the equation, Altuve, same thing, Bregman, same thing. They're good baseball players with that or without that. It doesn't, they're still there. They're still, you know, top baseball players. So, they didn't need to prove that to, to a lot of people. It's the storylines and the fact that you need to just soak in it and and just like be dirty. That's what I need. That's what I need. I don't need any kind of cleansing with this. And if they don't make the World Series, to me, the casual baseball fan, the storylines, they're dead. That's it. That still goes yeah, back to them not being able to do anything. Don't you think that's a problem? Storylines dying. No, 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 no. The storyline with the Houston Astros making the World Series is dead. Because that, that's the national storyline. It's not the fact that they made the ALCS. It's the fact that they would make the World Series and get that attention. That needs to think, not happen. Do you think baseball lacks storylines? Because we haven't had a repeat World Series winner since the Yankees in 1999-2000. There has been a different World Series winner every single season for the past 20 years. I, I know the, the Giants had a little bit of a run where they went every other year, so some people called them a dynasty, but I'm sorry. If you... If you don't even make the playoffs in between World Series championships. I have a hard time calling you a dynasty. The Astros were kind of poised to be a dynasty, but they they haven't won after 17, and now that 17 championship is tainted. So the Red Sox have gone through periods where they're uh, a World Series winner and then a last place team. So as far as like a storyline, sort of like a, a top dog in baseball, it seems to change every year. You can't call the Yankees the top dog. They haven't made the World Series in a decade. The Dodgers are close to having a Buffalo Buffalo Bills record. Right. The, the, the Dodgers have been the class of the NL for almost 10 years, and they haven't won a championship. So do you think baseball lacks storylines? 
I mean, if you're talking about just storyline, the way that you're talking about it right now is is a, a championship storyline, a dominant team storyline, a Chicago Bulls Jordan storyline, Yankees dominant storyline. So if that's Not the case, then yeah, but it's but, spread up. The, but the nature of the luxury tax and the and the systems that they've been trying to implement have the the reason they've been doing that is because they want parity. They want the the spread of the wealth. Yeah, I'm not sure that's good. I'm not sure that's good for the league. Look at basketball. It's basically what team is LeBron on because right. that team is in the finals. In football, it's been the Patriots for for 20 years. Everyone trying to knock off the Patriots, and I think that draws attention. It gives you it gives you, you get, a bad guy. It gives you a bad guy, and it also gives you the common fan to be like, oh, every year, like that LeBron James guy is always there every year. Let me find out what he's doing this year. Oh, he went to the Lakers and he won on the Lakers. Huh. Okay. Where it's like, oh, the the Kansas City Royals won. Oh, and then the the Giants won. And, and then the Red Sox won. And then the Astros won. The Cubs won. That was cool. That was a cool storyline. That was a huge baseball, story But guess line. what? Guess what? Now that storyline's dead. They broke their curse. That's dead. The Red Sox broke their curse. That storyline is dead. So like the, the, these storylines, there's no there's no buildup in baseball. Like I think if the Cubs had not won in 2016 got really close and then maybe got close again in 17, got close again in 18. And we're just like on the precipice every year. That would have been a better storyline for baseball. Yeah. I I just don't think any storyline like that though has, has such staying power that you're kind of wanting. Maybe I'm wishing for something that's not realistic because baseball is not, not ever going to be uh, the top sport in the country anymore. Well, and also, I mean, it's it's very like you, you mentioned the Patriots as a, as an example for this, like that, that's, that's taken a very long time for that to happen. That that's happened over time because of sustained success on one on one side of things. Of course, that's very but, difficult to do. It's not an easy thing to do. The Yankee storyline happened because it was a it was a very long stretch of of winning within a relatively short amount of time. Ten years, you know, in well, the in the nineties, totally. early two thousands. But I, I think maybe if the Astros made the World Series, if the Astros make the World Series this year, if they come back from 3-0 against the Rays, which I don't think is going to happen, the Rays pitching is just too good, um, that that would be a better story for baseball as a whole than than if they lose in the ALCS. Or does it? Or does it? Um, does it kill that story now? Whereas it could continue it next year because now the Astros are going to be facing the fans for the first time mm. and going back into these stadiums now with people. Well, see, I think because them facing fans as a World Series representative or even World Series championship, that's like, that's awesome drama. That's awesome theater. That is straight out of WWF villainous guy. Like, oh, you think I cheat? Well, I'm just gonna I'm going to win and spit in your face. Like, I don't know. Give me the villain next year. I mean, they're still the, otherwise they're still they the villain. But it's like it's it's neutered. It's it's so oh, I don't old think. at that point. It's a it's almost two years, cal- two calendar years. There's a year and a half of calendar gone. So by. you're saying We've them them a- winning re- regurgitates or yes. like brings it back to the fold, brings the, the, hatred the hatred back back to the absolute pinnacle. Last January, but, but you before- know what? But, but but when when someone has when someone has something a crutch to rely on, like for instance, when the Red Sox won. Yankees fans couldn't use the same narrative anymore. We couldn't say anything. Couldn't couldn't chant uh, 1918. Couldn't chant the the things that, oh, so, that we had. So so you you actually I see what you're saying. You, you're you're now the words out of your mouth that you're going to spew at them no, don't make sense anymore because they just did it without it without the cheating. So now yeah, what we can, can you say? we can throw this bullshit year in their face. But may, so fine, maybe make the World Series and lose to the Dodgers. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't make a difference. I, I just think. For for many people, they're going to go to uh, Astros, Yankees games next year and boo the hell out of them. I'm probably going to be one of them, but I'm not going to lie to myself and say it's the same hatred I would have had if we had them in the stadium this year, this May. Yeah, you know, it's just not. It's so long ago. Okay, okay. so much I'm just going to feed you seven beers before the game, and we'll see what happens. That's it. We'll just see what the happens. Seven, seven's not the right number to get me yelling at. Uh, oh, seven! At I think Springer seven. I think field. in an hour and a half pregame is just fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right, tough guy. Uh, I, I think it's just fine. Oh, I was gonna say less. Like I think, like if, while I'm drinking my fourth beer. That's oh no, no! I want you passed vocal. out by the fourth. I want you giving it all by the fourth <laughs> up up to like the third, fourth inning. <laughs> I just want you at peak, you know, for innings one and two. That's it. Uh. So. Um, <laughs> Do you have any? We're going to talk about the the press conferences and all that stuff uh, in this episode. But do you have any lingering thoughts? We did like an hour long therapy session the night that they lost. Um, but you've had some time to reflect on it. I've had some time to reflect on it. And I think I have some 
some more takeaways from from the ALDS. What about you? Yeah, it, it was so. I've I've been looking at just what social media is saying, the fan base, you know, coming out of that as well, and and, and identifying like why did this happen? Why did the Yankees lose? What were the reasons the Yankees lost? And you could you could say a couple of different things. One, you could say that the pitching put them in a bad position, you know, in in total for the team to to um, have to be perfect in in certain moments. Hmm. Or you could say that similar to 2019. At the end of the day, while the pitching was a problem, the offense is actually the one that failed you in the very end at the at the buzzer because that is what happened in 2019. Yankees couldn't get the big hit, couldn't uh, you know get the job done. Whereas like the very uncertain pitching actually pitched well in a in a uh, game that was <clears throat> ready to oust you. And similar similarly in this case, it, it happened again. Yankees couldn't get the big hit, couldn't uh, you know couldn't tack on a few more runs and. And it ended up being um, their, to their detriment because the, the pitching had to be absolutely perfect for too long. What, well, if you had to say which one is a bigger problem for the Yankees, what would you say it is? The the lack of starting pitching on this team or the the inconsistent offense that seems to disappear in in key postseason series? They're they're both big problems. I think the the pitching, when you look at what happened with game two and game three, it it set them up where they had to be perfect again in games four and five. And they did it in game four. Game five, they got they ran into a a buzzsaw every single inning with a very, very rested and talented Tampa Bay uh Devil Ray bullpen. So can you call them the Devil Rays I, when I, they beat you in the postseason? I, I want to. I, maybe I doesn't can't feel see. right, does it? See, see, this is exactly why. If they win, you can't say shit anymore. So the, um, but uh, yeah. So I, I think that no, I the, the pitching you. set I, them up for 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 the offense to almost have to be too perfect. And when that happens, there, that's when this team I think gets exploited even more because they try to do too much or they try to you know they rely on the on the on the long ball. And if there is a if there's a you know rested and ready to go uh, pitching staff or a ace type pitcher like Garrett Cole last year who could come in and shut you down you're in trouble uh but it started yeah, with yeah. the pitching I guess mm. yeah I think I agree with you overall um because I think that game two is a is a pivot point for the Yankees in the ALDS uh, even I mean you could if you if you get rid of game two and forget what happened there just say that they lost game three was even bigger the fact that the fact that um yeah. Tanaka came out and and shit the bed was a big deal Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And because because in a, the in, the, in a perfect world, you know, if if they stop doing all the the fancy stuff with game two and Tanaka, you you put game three in game two. Yeah. I mean, if Tanaka sucks in game two and he just starts and he and he gives up five runs, like flip in three flip innings, those games. Like, are we so yeah. are we angry that this angry about about the situation in game two? Probably not. No. Oh, uh, that's a good point. And we're probably just saying, damn, this team has Garrett Cole, and that's it. You can't win a World Series if you just have one starting pitcher. And, and that's that. I think is a, is definitely a takeaway. But that's not like a revolutionary thing that we just figured out in the playoffs. We knew no, that no. going in. No, but I, I think a lot of people are trying to like really just lean on this game two shenanigans, where in fact the result of what happened, the way that the series played out, it actually. Like you know, in some capacity, maybe it had an effect of on the series. But if you put Tanaka in that game, the one, the guy that everybody was agreed upon that should be in that game, or you know, Monday morning quarterback that Tanaka would be in that game, he still sucked too. So mm-hmm. if, if they did that weird stuff in Game Three, you'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, they're trying to get by. They're like they should actually at this point because they don't have that pitching. Do you know what the irony of Tanaka having a bad playoffs this year was? He, like he he really did not pitch well in his two starts in the playoffs, and it made it so his stats, his postseason career stats, are now almost identical to his regular season career stats. It, it, the five hundred, it goes back to it's just maybe his ERA, today, maybe not. His ERA, his FIP, like all of those stats are within like a ten percent difference of his regular season, which we've been I've been saying for a long time, just because. Tanaka has a 1.7 ERA in the playoffs doesn't mean he's a 1.7 ERA pitcher. It means he's had good postseason starts. It doesn't mean he will continue to have he's he's a he's a solid starting pitcher. He's never been anything more than that since his elbow injury. But in 2014 he was a dominant starting pitcher. Then he had an elbow injury and he's never been a dominant starting pitcher since then. So the he's num- been a good starting pitcher. The numbers that you're saying though like you 
they're all you, you look at the the um the macro you pull back and you can get a numbers that 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 should tell you some data but they really don't because you're looking at the the regular season which is a you know a lot of games mashed together and then you're looking at the postseason which is a smaller uh, sample size but it's a, a good amount that you can get but it's also stretched across however many years so it's, it's exactly it's, yeah it doesn't really it's, tell you the full story no, because if Madison Bumgarner goes into the playoffs this year, he's going to go in with that unbe- unbelievable track record. Right. But no one's like, oh, he's going to pitch nine shutout innings this year in the postseason because he's not a good pitcher anymore. Right. But in 10 years, those numbers that you're talking about that are now looking more like their um, the regular season numbers are going to be looked at differently. Hmm. So I, I, I think I had a realization um, after thinking about the series. So would you agree that the Rays are a team whose sum is greater than its parts? Like Captain, like Captain Planet. I don't know who Captain Planet is. You don't know who Captain Planet is? Holy shit! Um, yeah, who's Captain Planet? It's all the you know the kids together. We are now with our powers combined. We are Captain Planet. Is so, this something that like Kemp is watching? Like no, it's a cartoon I... from like I don't know the nineties, I guess. Um, Captain, I thought everybody knew who Captain Planet was. Apparently, not. I went straight oh, in the nineties. I went straight from watching like Thomas the Train Engine to watching Sports Center. Okay. Like there was no in between. So Captain Planet is a um, is a number of kids that have different skill sets, and when combined, they are a very like powerful. The power, fight. Are they like the Power Rangers? I watched the Power Rangers. Yeah, but the Power Rangers were always just the Power Rangers. They were still a team. Like Captain Planet, like became Captain Planet. Like you got to have okay. our powers. So the so Rays yes, are so Captain yes, Planet with their, with their powers combined. They are an ultimate force. Do you think? And it, so on the flip side, conversely, I think the Yankees are a roster that is less than the sum of its parts. So you're saying the individual accolades are higher than the than the yes. than the team in general. You pick out you pick out anyone in that Yankees lineup. Wow, look at his OBP. Look at his WRC plus. Wow, Luke Voigt led the league in homers. Isn't that the problem with analytics? Um, yeah, I think it is a problem with analytics. It's one of the big the piece, problems with analytics. If the pieces don't fit together, then it then it you're not going to win a World Series. You're going to win a win a lot of regular season games because. You play so many bad teams in the regular season, and over a long stretch of time with volume, you will get the results you're you're looking for. But in an, on a five game ALDS versus the Tampa Rays, you might not get the results. You're probably not going to get the results. One of the fundamental problems with relying on choosing players or or going purely based off analytics is exactly that: the sample size that you're looking at is is macro you have to have a larger sample size to get the the data that you need to actually make a decision about a player now what you're doing is you're taking that 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 data from a player that is spread over time and you're dropping them in the middle of a short series and expecting Mm -hmm. the same average results or close to Uh, it against against the most elite starting pitching or relief pitching in the league um so i i think that the Boone and Cashman were asked about righty lefty balance in the lineup a bunch. And Boone said, Oh, in a perfect world, you'll have that balance because the Yankees, you look up and down the lineup and nine of their eight of their nine starters are right-handed hitters. And optically that doesn't look like balance, but I think they're missing the point. I don't think it's about balance lefty righty hitters because if the left-handed hitters do the same thing as the right-handed hitters, you're still going to have the same problem. If you find a left-handed hitter that all he does is walk, strike out, and hit home runs, guess what? You're in the same position. You need diversity of players. The Yankees don't have enough diverse players. They have too many of the exact same hitter, where all they do is try and hit home runs, they strike out a crap ton, and they will get their fair share of walks. So when it comes time to get a hit with first and third, or put bat on ball to move a runner over, it's not going to happen often enough to win in the postseason. That, I think, is their problem. Their roster is not diverse. Their roster is so so much filled with the same type of talent, which is good talent. I'm not denying it's not good talent, but they don't do enough things to to win games. The, the, um, the point about the righty-lefty stuff is that you have to find the right the correct yeah, you gotta find the right players the correct righty lefty matchups as well if you can do that and you can show pitchers a little bit of a, a different look and they're not seeing the same right-handed batter coming in where they can just destroy them with a backdoor you know cutter that hits their that goes on their hands every single time then yeah it, it can be a positive in the moment again when you're looking at these these moments like yeah maybe maybe there's a guy that's not 
or has similar numbers as a righty lefty. But when you put them in a postseason opportunity and you have the balance of that lineup where you have to now make the decision uh, on the other, the opposing manager for them to either keep a guy in or not, give them different looks, have a, a lefty being able to see the, the ball coming out of a righty's hand on a given night a little differently. There are positives in a smaller sample set. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that it should have more balance. I don't think it's ideal to have an all righty lineup at all. Because if you come into a hot righty, uh, uh, hard throwing pitcher, it's going to be hard to get a lot of runs. It's just is right. But but if but don't you agree that if like if two more of these right handed hitters were a little bit more focused on contact and less focused on the three true outcomes, that this lineup would be pretty would be fine. I mean, you could, I could say the same thing. Hitters? I could say the same thing as well, though. If you inserted a, a left-handed batter that was that had a different, it, it is more on the style. For yes, sure. a left-handed batter that that was also those things I just said, not focused on home runs, strikeouts, walks. If you find a left-handed yes. hitter, I'm trying to think of a, of an example of a, a left-handed hitter in baseball today that like. I, I like Jacoby Ellsbury was an was an, was an, was an, was was a guy that they thought was going to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, but but I'm saying but like you, you just look find at the guy, another left-handed hitter. My, if you just make people Gio keep saying uh, Michael Brantley, I've heard Michael Brantley uh, a lot, but he's a he's he does things that there's a lot of people in this Yankees lineup doesn't do. If you just made Gio Urshela or if you just made Luke Voigt a left-handed hitter, but everything else was the same, this lineup has the same issues. It looks better on paper. You can go righty switch, lefty righty, lefty righty. Oh great, yeah, we're balanced. No, guess what? Same hitters. Yeah, no, no, no. I I agree with that. You you still need to. Um, directly uh you have you have to make an impact with their style yes uh so i think that is one of my key takeaways and that gets back to your point that the offense failed them in the postseason uh pretty much four straight years like yes uh they've had a lack of starting pitching for four years but they didn't win against the astros in 2017 not because the astros were cheating it's because they went like one for 80 with runners in scoring position in that series against the Astros. That's why they lost the 2017 ALCS to that 2018 ALCS. I mean, they just got they just got wiped the floor with by the by the Red Sox. They did. They didn't pitch well. They didn't hit well. They didn't do anything well. 2019. Yeah, they had Chad Green starting an elimination game, which is not ideal. And they had Jay Happ coming in relief in a key game two situation. Not ideal. But they also missed big opportunity after big opportunity. But that's what happens in the playoffs. Offense disappears because you're facing elite starting pitching. So unless you have elite pitching of your own, you're probably not going to win. Right. No, I mean, it's it's true. And But that's the thing. Like When you have an offense that that uh, that is put to a, a test and consistently has to bail you out, they're going. The, the percentages are there. They tell you that that off. That's not sustainable, especially nope. in a playoff series against the best pitching. Especially when Tampa is in a game four, not even throwing their best guys. They're waiting. They're holding them back. Yeah, they had confidence going into game five, knowing our pitching is going to be better than their pitching. At least match it, because they they didn't. Garrett Cole was the X factor there. If Garrett Cole, depending on, they knew he was going to go three. Uh, he was going on three days rest, so there was a there was a cap there. Whereas yeah. whereas they didn't have a cap. But but at the end yeah. of the day, at the end of the day, like they they shut them down like yeah. completely. So they basically shut the Yankees bats down after game one. Giancarlo Stanton hit two home runs in game two off Tyler Glass now. So but like otherwise, the Yankees did nothing for the rest of the series offensively. Yeah, I mean game four there were runs scored, but again not not against guys that were what they win four to two. Yeah, I mean they were, they did they won enough, they scored enough runs to win that game. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is Chapman, uh, getting bitch slapped by Brusso, and giving up for the second straight year a postseason ending home run, and he, now he's given up three of the biggest home runs in recent postseason history: one with the Cubs, and then two with the Yankees. He's supposed to be this badass lockdown closer, like stares guys down. If you're going to throw at a guy's head in the regular season, it's kind of a tough look to give up a home run postseason clinching series home run to him in, in October. Oh, there's no doubt um, it's a tough look, especially throwing it to him. And he got, Chapman got punked by a team whose entire payroll is less than his contract. Now, I'm not saying Chapman sucks because he's still a good pitcher and he still had a good postseason. He just got he got beat by Brousseau. It's a solo home run. 
Normally solo home runs don't beat you, but in this case it did. But but I'm just really I don't know what my point is other than Chapman's basically gotten punked two years in a row and he's supposed to be this big bad big bad intimidating closer and he's not intimidating anybody yeah i mean it's uh, uh you take those away and he's he's been extremely good so you can't take them away i know you're talking about you can't take you them can't away. take them away i i know that but but the thing is is like uh, the other the other at bats like he did he came in and pitched really well um i know that i, I don't how, know how you many can't, how you many can't say years that in a row he is he gonna give f- up no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's been a very effective pitcher. I'm not saying get rid of Araldis Chapman. I'm not saying that. <clears throat> I'm just pointing out that for for as high profile of a guy as he is, supposed to be one of do you agree one of the most intimidating relievers in baseball? I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. He's a yeah. lefty that throws 101 miles per hour, looks like a giant out there, doesn't really mm-hmm. say much, has that stare. Yeah, that's exactly yep. what he's doing. I, I think I think in the moment back breaking dramatic home runs in the postseason that bounced his team from the playoffs. I think that I don't know if the players think that. I think that it's a there's a persona there that he puts off, but you could clearly tell tell that the, the Rays wanted to they wanted to beat him badly. Like there were yeah. there was ulterior motivations there. And and then Altuve, whether he got the sign or not, is just he I mean, he was an MVP. So there's I, those isolated moments, when you look at the MVP, the fact of all the things that happened um, in those in the year uh, for the Astros, you could you could look at that and say that those were moments that uh, that are hard to, I you know just put a, a whole blanket statement on on Chapman not being a good. Like, I'm not saying what, that. You, would, you, so would you would you rather have Chapman out there, or? Uh, or, or another closer in the bigs right now that's... I mean, I don't even know who's doing a better job than him if you look at the grand scheme of things. Not many... Yeah, I, if there's if there's a handful, maybe there's two or three guys, but not there aren't very many guys that, that are more effective. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I agree. I said that. I don't think he's a bad closer. I, I th- He's going to be here for the rest of his Yankees contract, and I'm fine with that because he's still effective. I'm just pointing out that he's given up big-time home runs. That's all I'm pointing out. Thanks. I, I was there for those. <laughs> and and next year, no one's no one's afraid on the other side when Araldis Chapman comes out of the I don't game. think anybody's afraid in the big leagues in any moment. I think fans make that narrative. Uh yeah. And this isn't fair to compare him to the Maybe he needs to throw time. in a little bit more often. <laughs> to be honest. Uh yeah, it's tough in a situation, obviously. He wasn't going to throw in on. He wasn't going to hit Brousseau. I'm not saying throw. I'm not saying Chapman doesn't have the control to to in a one run game or a tie game be throwing inside because you risk plunking a guy. Yeah, that's why you don't do it in that moment. You establish that 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 thought in the back of their mind that throughout the season, different moments. Yeah, maybe he he, maybe he needs to really just embrace this villain role and and start throwing on the inside. I I think look, I think throwing on the inside is a lost art. Personally, in baseball, I'm not saying hit people. I'm saying establish your dominance on the mound and not having them so comfortable. Guys are laying out over the plate with armor on their, you know, they have, nobody cares because they have, you know, ever since Bonds had that like shield on his elbow, everybody has them now. They have like oh, yeah. a bionic arm, everybody. So who cares if they're, if they're, uh, Josh Donaldson is like half his body is over the plate. I would throw inside and get these guys off the freaking plate, especially when you throw 100 miles per hour. Chapman did that. He threw at Brousseau's head 100 miles an hour. And in the postseason, Brousseau stood in there, dug in, had a nine pitch at bat and took him deep. Yep. You're right. He had no fear. Because he he was so, so, you know, angry enraged with like, I'm going to have my payback right now. If I get hit in the in the middle of it, that's fine because we're going to fight. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) or or I'm going to be laying on the ground. (laughs) <laughs> but this is what I am. I'm, I'm going in. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. 
You can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. And I've used this before to hire. Let me tell you, $75, you're probably going to get your candidate. You're going to get a ton of candidates with that amount of credit. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over, guys. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every single possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. All right, the annual season-ending press conference. We're getting all too used to it. I think the Yankees are getting too good at it, frankly, because it's just a lot of a lot of non-talk, a lot of words, without a lot of meaning uh, by Boone and Cashman, specifically Cashman. He's the master at, uh, at saying words without really saying anything concrete. Uh, do you want to start with Steinbrenner's interview? Yeah, um, let's go in chronological order because that happened first. So, I don't know. That wasn't a ton to take away from that interview. He did say Aaron Boone will be back. That's just a fact, uh, which we knew anyway. So, everyone crying for Buck Showalter. It's just not going to happen. Um, he he said our objective to win the World Series. We didn't even come close to that. Doesn't make the whole season a failure. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, Steinbrenner on Tuesday says we didn't even come close. And then Boone talks a billion times in his press conference about how close this team is. We're right there. We're such a close team. It's like, well, you, you haven't made the World Series yet. You just got beat in the ALDS, not even the ALCS. I don't know. Stop talking about how close you are. Yeah, it's really out of touch. The fact that he's saying that with a smirk on his face is bothering me. The Acknowledge the fact, how about we How about we take ownership that you didn't actually get close and recognize that so that it's a, a little bit more of a priority instead of saying that we were this close, you know, a couple of balls here and there, and then we're in the World Series. Well, no, no, no. You had to win another series also in order to get to that point. So you're not, you were not close. You were not close. It <laughs> no. was, it, it's, it's a crazy, that's like the Oakland A's saying, we were close. I mean, Bill, that's a Billy Bean comment. That is a Billy Bean <laughs> comment. And uh, so, uh, what was my? I lost my track. Go back of to just, Hal Steinbrenner on K Show, actually saying that they, they were not. They 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 fell sh- they fell short. He he did say something uh, about the season in general, about taking positives away, but right. not. But they lost the objective. The objective was to win a World Series. The objective was failed. But they can't say that the entire season was failed because there were positives along the way. Was his narrative? Yeah, fine, whatever. And. And Brian Cashman reiterated that too, because he's talking about how, oh, if uh, I need to, we need to get there. We need to have a shot in the postseason. That's my goal. And then, uh, then you take tough losses when you get there every year. So I'd have no regrets there. He's talking about, and I think this is an organizational philosophy, is that the baseball playoffs are a bit of a crapshoot, and all you can do is maximize your chances to get there and get into the tournament. And while I agree. The baseball playoffs are a bit of a crapshoot. Just having that philosophy is not a way to win. You can't just enter the lottery every year and that be your financial plan. You you can't bank on retirement winning Powerball. It's just not going to probably. I mean, not that's that's happen. a little that's a little disingenuous. The way that you're saying that is it means that you're 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 buying a a one single ticket and and praying to God that it happens. That's not what's happening here. They're still setting themselves up with a roster that they believe 
is a championship roster. They're spending yep. money in areas that they believe will sure up these holes and give them the best opportunity once they are through the to get through the postseason and mm-hmm. to now line themselves up for a playoff spot. So yes, first first thing to do check 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 the box. Got to the tournament. Now now where are we? Okay, well, we have made these decisions not only to get through the the regular season, but now we believe that these decisions will put us in the best. Uh, position and give us an, a, a very good opportunity to now be the last team standing. I know I'm making a point with the lottery analogy, but now 53% of the league makes the playoffs. I think that's going to stick. So is it really even accomplishment to make the playoffs anymore? During the top half of the league, the Yankees, if it weren't for the expanded playoffs this year, would not have made the playoffs. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, um, well, I think different decisions would have been made as well, but no, it's not an uh, it's not necessarily an accomplishment, but it's a necessity. So you gotta you gotta get into the get into that that position so that you're now in a short series. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the Yankees have prioritized home field advantage in the past. They've prioritized health. They've prioritized these things that you know ultimately actually had nothing to do with anything uh, to do with the outcome. Home right. field advantage. Oh, we lost all of our home games. <laughs> health oh we fell short and now we weren't and we, we had to go to uh you know play on the road it's just like okay just play your game and let the chips fall where they may yeah uh and then the other thing steinbrenner said is that the team has sustained significant losses more than any other team in baseball obviously due to the covid season no fans in the stands etc uh i don't doubt that they have struggled financially compared to other years, whether you want to argue how much money they actually lost or or didn't lo- lose, if they just made less money, I don't know. I, we're never going to see the balance sheet and we don't have enough information to figure out what their actual bottom line is. All I know is I don't think fans, and I certainly don't want to hear Hal Steinbrenner, billionaire, talk about how much of a struggle his business has been this year. I mean, I don't think he was really... <clears throat> when you see the transcripts and you see all the text, it doesn't, it doesn't really say the exact tone of what he was saying. He kind of was answering questions. I'm going to make it that tone. It. Yeah, I know you are. I'm going to turn it into that tone. I, I think Hal Steinbrenner's um, press conference. Interview. It wasn't a press or conference. Interview, I mean, was fine. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, he didn't like piss me off in, in the things that he was saying. No, no. Boone. No, on no one really, Boone no on one really, uh, Boone pissed me off with the close talk because Again. It's, it wasn't even one time that he brought it up. Like he he continuously brought it up about being. He said, being he close. said it a so thousand close. times, and they haven't made the World Series. So until you make the World Series, you can't be close. Because guess what? You're not even playing in the series that decides the trophy. He kept saying being, that being so close to the last team standing. I'm like, how do you even get to that that thought bubble to actually have that come out of your mouth when you just lost in the ALDS? I don't understand. Because I it. think they're a bit delusional. And they think because just because on, according to them, on paper, their roster has the most talent, that makes them the closest to the last man standing. They believe in their mind, we have the right pieces in place. We're following our methodology. How many times did Cashman talk about, we ran it, we ran it through the process, talking about the game two situation. And he came prepared for that game two question. He came with numbers about how many times Hap has started in the in the playoffs versus pitched in relief in the playoffs, about Debbie Garcia versus Hap's matchup numbers with the race. He knew that question was coming. It was obvious it was coming and he was ready for it. But while well, my team provided... Um, Aaron Boone with, and his coaching staff with all of the necessary information and he ran it through the process and I'm comfortable with the decision that Aaron Boone and the coaches made and I never have instructed Aaron Boone to do one thing or the other. So they believe they're following the right process and and they think that their process will eventually yield them a World Series. So in their, in their minds, they think they're close. I'm wondering what happens if they uh, Brian Cashman presents this information, endorses this information as a, as a solid plan, and then Aaron Boone says, nah. Well, according to Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone is not a puppet, which I thought was the funniest moment of the press conference. He actually said that word. He's a puppet. real boy. So, so let me get this straight. <laughs> Brian Cashman, puppet master, says Aaron Boone, puppet, is not a puppet. Got it. So I think it's just hilarious that the the 
reporters and shout out to, to Lindsay Adler and Mark Carrig and Brian Hoke. I think all three of them and Joel Sherman all ask questions about Aaron Boone not having final say in any of decisions. I don't know if any of them actually use the word puppet. Brian Cashman used the word puppet. But they just came out and asked it. They asked Boone it and they asked Cashman it. Boone to bite his tongue because it's just he's being disrespected to his face over Zoom. <laughs> to, to his, his face, face over Zoom. <laughs> he's being disrespected by these people. Like, hey, there's a common narrative here, Boone, that you don't have any say in your team. What do you, What's your opinion on that? Please, please explain yourself. Like, this is a big deal, I think, that we're that the manager of the New York Yankees is being asked directly why he doesn't have any power and if he doesn't have any power. And the GM is asked, hey, are you just controlling the puppet strings of your manager? Isn't this isn't this inherently going to be the narrative when you have a um, analytics focused approach to the decisions that you're making and the personnel that you're making? It, it, I mean, at, at, at its core, it's taking decisions out of people's brains and putting them. Well, in is the that the narrative with Kevin Cash? Because the Rays are very analytically driven. The Rays team. are also ana- analytically driven in the way that they train, and they 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 have some of those like you know how we went over the different nerds. They also have some of like the cool nerds who 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 approach some of these guys that are like rehab guys and come out of absolutely nowhere throwing 100 miles per hour and, and effective. Like they have ways of doing things that are a little bit deeper than just saying, okay, well, <laughs> this guy is a really good matchup in this moment and this guy is a good matchup in this moment. We got to do this because now we're going to get tricky and the numbers say we can. They, they, they have a gel. Think- they have a different little, their algorithm's different. Do, do MySpace and Tampa Facebook Bay- weren't the same. Did the two Tampa Bay Rays reporters and the nine fans of the Tampa Bay Rays, let's get Kevin back on the on the podcast, the 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 Tampa Bay Rays podcast guy. Does anyone think Kevin Cash is a puppet? I think it's part of mentality. It's about, about how you conduct yourself. Aaron Boom was brought in here with no managerial experience. Given the keys to a damn Lamborghini. Okay? And here you go, kid. You don't even have your learner's permit. Here's the Lambo. Don't speed. Stay in, in between the lines. Says, no, don't drive. Here's here's your Lambo, right. and here's the regulator. Here's the here's the uh, the the machine that's going to drive it for you. It's called AI. Call her, <laughs> call her whatever you know. Name it. So it's, maybe it's a Tesla with self driving. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. So I think it's part of the mentality. But, but put your, make sure your hand, in here. Make sure your hands are on the wheel so it looks like you're driving. Ten and two. Ten and two. Or is it now nine and? Isn't it now nine and six or something? I don't know what they're teaching. Or it would be four and six. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I think part of it is how four Boone conducts six. himself. That's just like that's that's a that's an elbow injury waiting to happen. F- no, it's it's so it's like S- underneath. Six is on the bottom. Okay, so it's four and seven. <laughs> okay, for the airbags, it's part of how Boone was brought in here, and I think there's a narrative because of how he was brought in and his mentality and how he deals with the media and how he responds to questions and how he never really stands up for himself with the exception of the savages rant but we i don't know how many times i have to talk about this kevin cash threatened aaron boone and his team and all aaron boone could say is that's scary i mean that's a personality thing too though you, you know personality what plays into this puppet fine he is a very he's he's a very um, he's a media guy that's that's he's yes. a media guy he's a so relationship plays into the guy. puppet he doesn't he's got this you've got this persona of him that he doesn't have a backbone and i think that plays into it Possibly. People think Boone doesn't have a backbone. So, of course, they're going to think that he's being controlled by Brian Cashman, the 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 vice president and general manager of the Yankees. This is Brian Cashman's team. And he hired a guy with no managerial experience and no backbone to manage the team. So that's going to be the persona. That's going to be the narrative until Aaron Boone wins, frankly, because we keep seeing him make weird decisions that an ordinary baseball manager probably wouldn't make. And then when he is, I think, making decisions, he's not making the right ones. He's pinch hitting Mike Ford in a situation that doesn't really make sense. And he made sure to talk about Castillo having a good splits against righties just to make sure, hey, hey, I didn't make that decision willy-nilly. I actually looked at my spreadsheet before I made that decision. I mean, I think he believes that he was making a decision that was that was beneficial in that moment or had more positives than negatives. I just disagree with it. <laughs> the And the fact that you're, go, you're entering with a player that hasn't done jack shit in a year. So, yeah. Anyway, no, I look, he does have to squash the narrative, but it's going to have to be done 
with action and not talking. That's the part of the problem. He's talked too much. Yeah. He's talked himself into this puppet role because of the way he talks. I agree. Yeah. And uh, I think that was like a major takeaway from it. Like I said, the close thing was really annoying. Um, what, were, what were some of the other major takeaways uh, from, I mean, obviously they talked about Gary Sanchez. Um, they say they still believe in him, but it's certainly a question if he's going to be the starting catcher next year. Yeah, this, because this is kind of what I was thinking. Like, there's going to be a competition. Gary Sanchez is probably going to walk into the season as the starting catcher, and then, and then if he plays the way he does, it'll be a shorter leash, and he'll lose the job earlier. Yeah, that's what I think will happen. Um, Glaber Torres. They talked about how he needs to get better defensively at shortstop. They believe he's better defensively at shortstop. Um, I thought Domingo Herman's name came up a bunch for. It came up with Hal a lot. Hal, Hal yeah, really I, leaned I, into that one, saying that he yeah. used to, that that he's just basically made some horrific decisions. It was a horrific incident. He's he's got to be convinced that Herman is has turned a new leaf. Has you know is truly truly apologetic and and uh, for for what happened and is is a new person basically. Yeah. Otherwise, he's not going to be on the team. The team is worried about public perception, um, but also they have a Raldis Chapman on the team. So, but I, do you think Domingo Herman is being overinflated, like his actual impact on the on the team? I don't think it's really. Roster? No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's been. But his name always gets brought up. Like, oh, if they had Domingo Herman this year, maybe they wouldn't have had to do an opener in game. I mean, two. I don't think it's been brought up that much. It's been brought up occasionally, but it's, I saw it's, it brought up a bunch. It's too since hard to. It's too hard to identify what that impact. He's been he's been gone for so long. So it, and also he had he had a really good first half of 2019 and a pretty shaky second half of 2019. It all netted out to like a mid four ERA pitcher, four ERA, and I think a four point seven FIP. If you're so, if like, you're if you're a contrarian trying to find the reasons why the Yankees didn't win, and you're leaning on Domingo Herman, you're freaking grasping for straws. Well, yeah, and I see. Oh well, Brian Cashman believes that Luis Severino, other than Garrett Cole, Luis Severino and Clark Schmidt and Debbie Garcia and Jordan Montgomery are the foundation for a good starting rotation. I don't disagree with that. I think that's I don't. I I'm, disagree I'm with happy, that. Either. I'm happy that he's that he's saying that about some of the younger guys because that's kind of what I want for next year. I don't want them to walk in with with uh with washed up veterans where we know what we're getting. I want some a little bit of an unknown on the younger side. Give me but that that has talent. If they walk into next year with those guys in the rotation and Severino's probably not even going to be back until the summer. Um Brian Cashman said could be June, could be July, could be sooner. So if they walk into next year's starting rotation with Garrett Cole like for opening day. Garrett Cole um, Debbie Garcia, Jordan Montgomery. No, no, Clark no, 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 no. They, they're not walking in with those guys. Clark Schmidt's going to start probably in AAA. Davey Garcia very well might start in AAA. Those are guys that have the ability, you have the ability to be flexible with them. So that's, that's a, that's a huge, huge positive for you. You go out and you get one more starting pitcher and, you know, maybe one of those guys is up, um, but you don't need to rely on them in the very, very beginning okay. of the season. Okay. Yeah, I still I think just, you go out and curious. try to get an impact arm. Trader free agent, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't want to see James Paxton back, and frankly, I don't want to see Tanaka back. I, I again, and we're doing Tanaka. our we're doing our GM plans. Uh, when did we say right we were after gonna the do World this? Series? The, so the World Series, as soon as the World Series is over, we're going to have these, and we're going to do that episode, um, just so that nothing happens, and we know that there's a uh, a, a key decision being made with with Britain after the World Series, a couple days after the World Series as well. So. Um, I don't want to get too much into uh, to, to telling you what I'm thinking, but I mean, <laughs> you pretty much know what I'm thinking. Well, yeah, I think what well, you say, you don't want to see Tanaka or Paxson back. I definitely don't want to see Paxson back because I think you're just going to be relying on a guy that gets injured far too often. And if Tanaka's your number five starter next year and, and he is relied on to be a number five starter, I'd be okay with that. But if he's relied on to be a two or a three next year, he's just not that anymore. He's not good enough for that anymore. You have in the notes here, I didn't see the storyline actually, that Tanaka is apparently getting interest yeah. in receiving an offer in Japan for a 20 to from, $25 million per year return. Yeah, from his old team. What are they? The uh, Rakuten Golden Eagles? Isn't that it? That That um, is, uh, I don't know how you if he gets twenty If he gets 20 to $25 million from Japan, like you the Yankees aren't going to offer him that. Hell no. If they do, someone's getting slapped in the face <laughs> so publicly on TV. It, if he wants to take fourteen million from the Yankees for two year deal, yeah, sign him back and have him be the number five starter. But if he's gonna get twenty five million if he's gonna get a twenty five million dollar contract from from Japan to go back to his old team, 
Thanks, Tanaka. It was a really fun seven years. I'm sure the Angels needed another veteran pitcher to, that's past their prime to sign. Yeah, but see, with like with once a guy goes over to America and does well, like Tanaka on, especially on the Yankees, you sign him back for twenty five million a year. You, it's like it's that's marketing. You mean for the for uh, Japan for the Golden Eagles? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He's a, he's a hero back there. So yeah, it's different. It's a different play. The top player Plus it's in, different talent. It, like he may go over there and have a phenomenal season. The top player in their league makes six million dollars a year. Yeah, so there's different. Plus, isn't his his wife is a you know pop superstar? Yeah, I've never heard any of her songs though. Would you know if you've heard them? No. <laughs> um, yeah, so you get your you align the power couple back in Japan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you think Tanaka still wants to? Do you think Tanaka would rather pitch for a MLB team, not the Yankees, or go back to Japan? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what his it from his comments, the public comments about the end of the contract. It, it seemed it seemed to me that that it was almost like a a little he bit knew. a little bit of a closure thing for him. Yeah, trying to like sacrifice trying to sacrifice like what what could be his last start and make it a positive experience in the playoffs because it wasn't good in the regular season. And now there's two of them that are both that are both not good. Uh, so bad taste in your mouth. I don't know if that's something that he wants to correct or he's just like going to cut it and go somewhere, go somewhere else. Well, I think if, if he's done with the Yankees in five years from now, we're not going to necessarily remember Tanaka for his playoff performance. Well, first of all, people are excusing his Cleveland start because of the weather. And, and, and I think it's sort of like, uh, not to compare these two (laughs) Jordan on the wizards. Um, no one remembers, no one remembers Jordan sucking in 2002. It's a really, really bad example was. because Jordan won multiple championships in the team before. Okay, that. and I know. A I team. said I'm not comparing the two. I just couldn't think of another analogy. Uh, uh, Willie Mays on the Mets, right? Well, Willie Mays is also a Hall of Famer, and it's also another a different. And it's also a different team. Yeah. All I'm saying is, in <laughs> five people years will remember from now, it. people will remember the bulk of the positives and not the the yes. last the and yes, yeah, I agree. People will remember playoff Tanaka and his. But at the same time, none of, none of those playoff Tanaka moments landed in a championship. So that's true. They're not. They're not in New York Yankees lore. So maybe he'll just be forgotten into the ether. Poof, gone. Yeah, he could be. He could just. He's another guy that was on this team that didn't win. He was a piece of the puzzle that was a big didn't hype. Fit. Was a big <laughs> hype. Fit. fit. And and didn't have didn't pay the dividends. Uh, do you think not based off market value, based off of results? Do you think the contract was worth it? One hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah, because it, if you look years? at market value, it, yes, they. I think they got. It wasn't all on Tanaka's shoulders for them not winning by any means. But the not. result didn't happen, like you said. The the um, you know, the combined powers that were these guys are more powerful individually than they are as a unit, and I think that affected his uh, his tenure because it could have been different early on. He pitched well enough seasons. early on. His best seasons also were on the worst teams. Yeah, exactly. That's a problem. Doesn't equate to championships. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so so as far as the press conferences go, um, like we got the the nugget. DJ Lemayhu was a is a big is a big point, and basically they're talking about oh we're going to do what we do every year. We're going to look yeah. at this team, evaluate, we're evaluate yeah. this team. We're going to evaluate the pieces and and make appropriate uh, decisions and offers where we deem. Uh, necessary and we'll feel good about that which which you think which has me worried up, which has me worried do you think they're setting up for a dry off season because Steinbrenner's talking about how they lost a ton of money and and Cashman and Boone are are talking about how they need to have their process and evaluate and have the discussions on on what we're going to do i don't necessarily think they're setting themselves up for something like that because we've heard them say that they're not going to do much or they'll the same narrative it seems like they say the same thing every single year and then all of a sudden they they don't know, they don't want to play their hand they go out two years ago and then Giancarlo Stanton gets right gets uh gets traded for from yeah and, and a trade Brian between Cashman, Cashman and Jeter happens Brian Cashman says that they're a fully operational Death Star and then everyone thinks oh that means they're going to sign Bryce Harper and then they don't even talk to his agent so yeah so nothing means anything uh do you see Sweeney Sweeney Murdy wrote uh there was uh he wrote an article or he did something 
where he he basically was like, "Hey Yankees, stop trying to be the Death Star. It blew up twice." No, it's true. I mean, that's that's been something that's been pointed out early on. The Death Star actually wasn't a good thing, and the Rebels beat it <laughs> by getting <laughs> by, the by, by finding their Achilles heel and and just poking and poking and poking and poking until the goddamn thing blows up, and that's the strikeout. Is it the strikeout or is it the starting pitching? If you're looking at one thing, you probably look at that strikeout. The strikeout. The fact that you don't make any contact. The, the pitching is spread upon and like actually had some good moments in there from guys that you didn't expect. So is Luke Skywalker Kevin Cash or is Luke Skywalker Rosarena or is it... No. Who, who's Luke Skywalker on the race? The insert MLB team here. You know, it's just like whoever's up that year. The Rebels, just like all the new Star Wars, like there's there's different people. There, there have been different people fighting this. It's not yeah. a uh, it's not a long term thing. You got little segments, little iterations of people who are beating you, but at the end of the day, they're still getting beat. Yep, 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 yep. All right. I would I much rather that... be the Rebel Force. Much rather be the Rebel Force. Well, they win in the end, so yeah. So can we do that? Skywalker is <laughs> like a high price free agent. <laughs> I, I'd say that the Rebel Force has a number of high priced free agents. No, Skywalker Skywalker wasn't a free agent. He was he was a he was a homegrown talent. He was a homegrown okay, fine. Well, eh, you could you could go both ways on that. The the he chose the right the, the right path. But the thing is, there were high priced free agents. Okay, uh when you look at the, the Rebel Han Force. Han Solo. Han Solo is a high priced free agent. The, the 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 Millennium Falcon just alone you you add you start adding in uh, the guys that were on that ship those are high priced free agents that's that's a nice that's a those are good righty lefty compliments right there you got Chewbacca yeah and you got droids Chewbacca? and droids Chewbacca? and people that that compliment them well dro- droids are the nerds droids are the analytics department well no because these droids actually do things. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just making decisions behind the scenes. Who's C3PO? Because get him out. Get him out of there. He doesn't do shit. All right. Uh that's enough Star Wars nerdery. Um <laughs> any other Cashman said he thinks Stanton's future is that designated hitter. So great. We got our DH locked in until 2028. Um the balance thing, I, I already talked about how I think that the balance the team needs to be more balanced, meaning the team needs to be more diverse. It's a um, it's a trap. That's game two. Yeah. Kevin Cash is like, go for it. Yeah. No, go. It's for not it. a trap, guys. Your trap. Oh, so your trap is J Hap. Okay, <laughs> you got me. Woo. Oh man, what a s- stupid fucking decision. Still um, didn't make a break. Maybe not. Looking but. back, it definitely didn't. After you see what Tanaka did, it it, it did not. But if Tanaka just starts game two, it could be different. I mean, I could say that about a number of things. If that happens, because they game did score, three, they did score four runs off of Glass now in five innings in game two. How many runs did Tanaka give up? Four. Okay, so it's a tie game in the fifth inning. If you just equal the performances in the different games, you're probably right. But the Rays also know. might deploy a different pitching staff. At that they moment, might. too. I mean, they the might. series definitely changes, or it has the potential um, to change. So, do you have any? Uh, do you have any predictions on World Series? Who do you think it's going to be? Rays versus Dodgers or Braves? Um, I, I think that I could see the Dodgers coming back and winning that series. Yeah, it's two to one, I, and they just scored a bunch of runs. Yeah, there, there are. I mean, you look at talent. I guess that would be interesting because Friedman used to be with the Rays, right? The Dodge, the Dodgers GM. Um, Andrew Friedman. Yeah, I believe so. So he'd be facing his old, his old team. Um, I, I I think right now when you take away the names and the team that's playing the best and is probably the bit the best unit, uh, it's it's the Rays and their pitching. Their pitching is a difference maker. Uh, if, oh yeah, if they, and if, especially if they're going to get some rest in the World Series because there are off days in the World Series, then they don't even have to use those lesser bullpen arms. They come every night with those elite bullpen arms. Yeah, I think the Rays have a very good opportunity to win the World Series this year, and it's a perfect. I saw it's people a perfect making the point in the World Series, the quarantine. So I saw year. people making that point where it's like, oh, the Rays are only able to be this good right now because their pitching is not tired out from the regular season. Do you agree with that? 
I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think they have so much depth that you could you could also argue the fact that their depth would carry them through as well. And they've also been they were hit with a lot of injuries. People forget that yeah. I think when they talk about the race. Like not only are they deep and talented as they stand, but they were also hit with injuries. If the Braves win a World Series, it would kind of be ironic because the last time they won a World Series was also in a shortened season. There's your storyline. <laughs> Not many people are going to care about that. Um, hey, hey, on the baseball else? side of things, I wouldn't mind. I would probably rather watch Braves Rays personally than mm. than than Rays Dodgers. I'm sick of seeing the Dodgers. Um, in the, and I don't want to see Mookie Betts in the in the World Series either. Like to me, that's, I just don't. What has Mookie Betts ever done to the Yankees? I just, I just, I just don't. Okay. I don't have a reason. I just, I don't want to see it. it aesthetically, that's not pleasing <laughs> well, to me. Well, guess what? I'm not going to watch any of it because baseball insists on starting some of these games at 8:40 at night. <laughs> the fact, the fact that the, the Braves have like these these really young, talented guys that are definitely playing. You know, a, a little ahead of their time, I'd say, or maybe it's pretty close to on schedule. Yeah, they've been on in the playoffs three years in a row, yeah, right? It's, all right, so it's on schedule. The do, do, you see, second, you see a lot of you see a lot of young talent here. I think it's be fun. Indulge me for a second. Baseball starting the Rays Astros games at eight forty at night. Do they even want anyone to watch? Well, nobody watches in Tampa. But if you're trying, you, you have you have to play East to the Coast. markets. You have to play to the markets. You have to give the and the Tampa's market, market a doesn't give a shit. to watch. You have to give them a chance to watch. But if you're a Rays fan and you're, I mean, I guess yeah, you, you want to ideally, you definitely want to give them an opportunity to watch. I don't know what eight forty at night is ridiculous. There's something telling them that the Rays uh, television numbers are just abysmal. Probably, if it was Yankees Astros, what time would those games be? They'd be at eight forty at night. You realize that? No, they would not be. I think they would be I because they want to spread out these games because again, baseball thinks they're the NFL and people sit down at four o'clock to midnight watching playoff baseball. No one does that. No, no, they would not be at 840 if they were Yankees Astros. They would play to I the think... East Coast. It's based on market, man. Houston is a big market. They're playing to Houston. So it's 740 Houston time? Yeah, it's fine. So it would be at what? 805? Why does TBS have to get weird with their numbers always? Why, do they, why does it have to be like 8.35 or 7.40? Why can't they just use normal freaking... All right. That's it. Next episode. When are we doing our next episode? Is it going to be Monday? Is it going to be... Yeah, we'll get back on the Monday rotation. Okay. It'll be in a... Well, we'll, for, we'll get some, uh, some other things to talk about for Monday, but we'll get back on the Monday rotation. For Monday's show, send in some mailbag questions because I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about if it's not mailbag questions. Although I'm sure I'll find something to bitch about. Yeah, you will. That's a fact. We can make more of these uh, Star Wars parallels. That was fun. I feel like it got le- has some legs there too. My mind is still uh-huh. going now. I got I got some Lando, some Lando comparisons. I got some uh, yeah 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 some some Ewok comparisons. There's there's something we got some. Hold on, is Glaber the Ewok? I'm not. I can't. I can't give it up. We may we maybe talked about this waddling around at shortstop. Here's the big league big league tease for for Monday. You may or may not get more Star Wars comparisons. Awesome. We'll talk to you Monday. It'll be a great episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.